Uh, always living it up when our uh, Badger Insider joins us. We say good morning to uh, RJ. Happy Monday, Arj. Hey, happy Monday, guys. How about that uh, Wisconsin volleyball team? Yeah, dude. What do they got? Uh, Sweet 16 now? Sweet 16. Yeah. So they're they're hosting again this weekend. I, I forgot to look up who's coming on in, but... Uh, yeah, one more weekend here, and let's see if we can get on to the Final Four. I would give all credit to our promotions director and public address announcer, Bonnie Olson, Just clearly the backbone behind Badger uh, Volleyball. Oh, absolutely. Also, uh, the women's basketball team, she does it for them, and softball. So right. right now, two of those three are like doing really well. It's now I just got to have a uh, women's basketball catch up. She may need to. I've done a public address for, for wrestling. And I think I did, I want to say softball once too. We may need to get Bonnie over in the men's hockey rink, RJ. Cause that, that team is, uh, they need something. They need Bonnie. <laughs> yeah. They, they're looking like they need a little bit of help there. Yeah. Well, we'll, 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 we'll worry about them another day. Let, let, I, I want to worry about Saturday night and try and have you answer this question is, is there anything really to be negative? I mean, yes, you blew a 14-point lead. You got outscored 27 nothing. But, RJ, let's just say, for curiosity's sake, they don't blow that lead and they win Saturday night. They're still going to the Rose Bowl. Like, it's cool to celebrate wins. It's cool. Like, yeah, you can put up another banner in Camp Randall that says Big Ten Champions. But, honestly, does it really matter? Once they got up, I, I said this to Ebo, when they were up 21-7 at half, didn't matter what happened in the second half, win or lose, they were going to the Rose Bowl. That was it at oh, halftime. Absolutely, Ohio State would have dropped from uh, one to three. Uh, LSU gets credited for beating a team that has the worst strength of schedule, I think, out of the four teams uh, right now. Uh, has their the opponents they have faced? I think are have a losing record. I think Oklahoma even uh, their record uh, opponents record is a winning record. Uh, yeah, Georgia just got all the credit in the world for losing to a 4-8 and eight team. Uh, and that, like we talked last week, that was Dabo Sweeney's point in his uh, post-game press conference after the South Carolina game. Everybody thought he was just ripping on his own schedule. He was ripping on the fact that Georgia got all the credit in the world for losing to a 4-8 and eight team because it was an SEC team. Um, but Georgia should never have been in the top four uh, at all throughout this entire season after they lost that game. That should have been either Utah or Oklahoma um, because heck, they deserved it. And, uh, you know, uh, you're looking at now a top four where Ohio State loses credibility for losing to a t- or beating a top 18 by 13 points uh, in a competitive game, which you'd expect that from two top 10 teams, whereas LSU – blew out an overrated team that, uh, you know, has a more embarrassing loss, I think, than Wisconsin did, even though uh, Wisconsin was, uh, what, 30-point favorite against Illinois? Yeah. Uh, visiting with our Badger and Sarah RJ, so then the follow-up, our, our, our listener asked us, I thought it was a really good question. I'll ask you, uh, did Wisconsin lose the second half or did Ohio State win it? Uh, I think Wisconsin lost it. Um, you saw... Ohio State didn't make that many changes. They took away those little short three-step drop plants, uh, leaving the flats wide open, and Wisconsin decided not to use that to their advantage until the uh, final drive where uh, you marched right on down the field again. And don't tell me Ohio State was taking that off because there was still a chance that, you know, 
Wisconsin scores and it makes it look even closer um, than than that 13 point spread uh, that it ended up being. By way, I said uh, I'm not the only saving grace I have here is Wisconsin uh, only lost by 13, like I said they would. Yeah, so, you said that. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. And you but, texted that uh, to me uh, Saturday night, RJ. Sorry, there's no, I couldn't get any service. Can I ask you a question, RJ, you, about the game plan? You replied plan? that a couple of times. You were like, I have no service. <laughs> and then like take like three hours like to send. Ten minutes later, came sorry. Yeah, I have no service. I'm like, what is going on here? RJ, did Wisconsin? Did you have a like a inkling that their game plan was to win the game in the first half and then not lose the game in the second half? Absolutely. You look at the play calling, and you started trying to run right up the middle, like every time. Uh, you lost the, a, a lot of this stuff that was working in the first half, which I never understand why you go away from it. Yes, they took away those slants that, that were working so well by dropping some linebackers, but then all of a sudden it's like the whole offense got confused and had no clue what to do. And I think the coaching staff felt comfortable with a 14-point lead, which we found out before this season, you can't do that. You you have close games with Northwestern then. Uh, even in the Michigan game, you were up big, and then you took your foot off the gas, uh, even defensively. Uh, yeah, sure, losing Chris Orr probably hurt the defense a little bit, but what really hurt him was all the three and outs the offense had. It's the same thing that happened the first time you played Ohio State. That was a close game for three and a half quarters, and then the amount of three and outs that just started piling up for your offense became so detrimental that your defense became too tired to cover this team. Like I said the first time, the the gap in talent, people can talk about all, all they want. The coaching staff proved in the first half they can scheme something to eliminate the talent gap. The second half, they decided to just sit back and not lose a game. Uh, they, they really just tried to milk that clock, and they, they limited their passes. They limited the chances that we saw in the first half that were working so well. Uh, you, you basically forgot about Cephas for a quarter and a half, and, I mean, it just became a frustrating thing to watch because uh, they did not take the advice of the Green Bay Packers head coach. You know, all gas, no effing breaks. We need to see that all the time for this team to be successful. All right, so speaking of successful, then the question, RJ, you get to the Rose Bowl, um, you know, I we can always have the debate, is the college football playoff a reality for Wisconsin, especially in a league with Ohio State? Uh, so getting to the Rose Bowl, do you say this season ultimate success? Do you still look back and say what could have been if they not lost to Illinois? What Saturday night may have been for them? You know, would that change things if it was a potential college football playoff on the line? Uh, how do you handicap in the ultimate success of this regular season? Well, considering uh, almost every caller or listener into this station at the beginning of the year said it was going to be another season closer to 7-5 and five rather than what it had been with Paul Christ's other seasons of 10-plus uh, wins, uh, I'd absolutely call this season a success. Now, uh, you know, I think at the beginning of the year I said – 10 and 2, maybe 9 and 3. I got the losses wrong because I said it would be losses to Michigan, Ohio State, and probably uh, a letdown at Nebraska just because of the environment that you play in there. Uh, instead, you you had uh, 
wins against Michigan. You got blown out by Ohio State, and you had a, an embarrassing loss at the time. Uh, and you could probably still call it an embarrassing loss to Illinois, but at least it's a bowl-eligible team you lost to who went on quite a, a, a nice little run after uh, you lost to them. So uh, I'd, I'd call this season a success. Ten wins, uh, getting to the Rose Bowl, uh, and I think if we're going by P.J. Fleck logic, because we won the West, <laughs> we're co-Big Ten champs, right? There you go. Yeah, buddy. I like it, R.J., uh, before I let you go, I mean, only one game, small sample size, but boy, the way the last month had been going for Badger basketball, how nice was what you saw Saturday afternoon? I mean, they were making shots. Uh, that's what we talked about last week. You know, they were make they they weren't making the extra pass. They decided they were going to take the shot, take the open shot. They were making the open shots. Uh, they had a, a period of time in the second half there where uh, they went on a five-and-a-half-minute scoring drought and still, at least from the field, and still uh, the, as Indiana could only get within 20 points. So, I mean, you built up enough of a lead and were shooting lights out that this is what this team can be. But when the whole team is cold, I mean, any team in the nation, if the team is cold as a unit, you're not going to win any games. So maybe it was just a little home cooking. They liked the rims. The the crowd was behind them. But still, uh, shots actually going down. It's amazing what uh, a basket, a made basket, will do rather than uh, a clunker off the rim without any rebounds to, to speak of. Well, I was it, Nelson's still on. You know, I'm giving him a, a week uh, respite, RJ, because he did a nice job this week, and he's he's still not removing anything off uh, off Mount Notice. Uh, I don't know if that you know bothers you yeah. at all. Yeah, it's it's one game. You know, let it, let it play out. I understand the reasoning about that. Now, maybe if they go on a little win streak or like uh, a run here where you only have one loss in like eight games or something like that, uh, it might be time to reevaluate. But uh, you got another Big Ten game here before you dip back into your non-conference uh, before heading back into Big Ten play in January. So uh, hopefully you get a, a couple more wins here with some some home games uh, and, you know, uh, just enter that little break uh, with, with a winning record before you go on and uh, get into the heart of the Big Ten. So, uh, yeah, I'm okay with Nelson keeping, it, uh, keeping him on there before – uh, chiseling him off if, if some good things happen. <laughs> Step in the right direction, RJ. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ba- baby steps, RJ. Hey, you beat Rutgers. You get lowly Milwaukee. Hey, you get to 7-4 and four on the road against Tennessee. Who knows? Maybe you steal one there, and then you, you then the season is righted. Ship is righted. So we'll uh, we'll take it one. I like that. I like that. One at a time. Just take it one Go game one at the one. Brett Bielma's <laughs> one and oh mentality, baby. <laughs> It's on the card, so let's do it. Yes. <laughs> it's on the Thank card. Thank you, RJ. Thanks, Arj. All right. Talk to you later, guys. See you. There's our Badger Insider. He'll be back with us uh, Friday in studio. We say good morning to Badger head wrestling coach Chris Bono. Coach, you got uh, – does, like, every coach get a rose then when the football team makes? Are there, like, <laughs> roses all over the athletic department today? No, not yet, but everybody's pretty fired up. I think it's a uh, it's a good deal for our guys. I'm excited for them. So very very good Monday here around the department. Yeah, I bet uh, I bet the uh, the hallways are are, are buzzing. Speak- rose petals everywhere. Yeah, right, right there you go. Uh, speaking of buzzing, coach, I, I don't know if you've seen the news or not. This news uh, with the Olympics that that Russia 
uh, four-year Olympic ban. If folks don't follow the international sport, I mean, Russia's kind of the, the king of the mountain right now. Uh, obviously, there's always a, a Wisconsin or a Badger connection at the Olympic trials. Certainly may change things if, if Russia's out of the Olympics next summer, eh? Yeah, what, what I'm reading is, is they'll be able to compete under, a, um, you know, just not under the flag, right? They're just not going to sanction the, the country right. or, play their, play, or play their anthem. But those Russians will be there. Uh, those those, uh, those Russian wrestlers will be there one way or another for sure. Hey, I mean, you obviously had a, people don't know, you had a, a great international career before you were a coach. Uh, I'm sure you've been competed in Russia many times. How, how, how crazy is it wrestling over there? Well, it's 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 like a it's like a Sunday afternoon at Lambeau Field. I mean, that's exactly how it is. You know, it's the number one sport. You know, that's how we always uh, we go over there, and it's it's absolute you know mayhem. You know, they love their wrestling, and uh, it's 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 awesome to compete over there. Uh, visiting with Badger uh, head wrestling coach uh, Chris Bono. So the uh, Cougar Clash this weekend down in uh, in Southern Illinois. You guys brought your. Uh, Varsity. It looks like you guys had had several champs, uh, second to another, you know, top ten team in, in Missouri. Were, were you happy with the results this weekend? I was very happy. You know, we didn't bring our starting forty nine or starting eighty four pounders, so we went we went down there, you know, without two guys in our lineup, um, and we did take second. Um, but we uh, our guys our guys did a great job. You know, we put five in the finals, and what was really really important was we won all five of them. And that's, um, you know, when, when you get to the finals, you win all five, you're doing something right. So uh, we, uh, Tristan Moran beat a top five kid. The kids ranked fifth in the country from Missouri in the finals. And uh, everybody else did what they should have done. You know, Evan Wick pinned everybody, I think, in the tournament. You know, he pinned a guy in a minute 20 in the finals. So he looks really, really good. And, um, you know, we pulled out true freshman Eric Barnett, and he went down there and won the tournament. So uh, that was very, very encouraging for us as well. Yeah, and Eric Barnett, a, a you know a local kid, he's a Wisconsin guy. Uh, are we going to be seeing more of him this year with with that result? That uh, maybe he gets some more action. Well, yeah, he's our guy. Um, you know, Mikey Cullen was our guy, and Mikey got a uh, a pretty good injury, and I don't know if he's going to be able to come back from it. Uh, you know, it's a it's a severe uh, severe leg injury, so um, not not a good sign for Mikey. But I know he's going to try to rehab it and see, see what happens here. But uh, yeah, Eric 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 looks like to be the guy at the moment. And, uh, you know, he um he did a great job for us, and he's going to be uh he's going to be a special badger by the time he leaves his place in four years. Yeah, I think that's a, a great call. And, and speaking of special, you know, some some of your your top guys you mentioned Wick and, and Seth Gross. I mean, obviously it was a tough goal last Sunday in Iowa. How important was it for some of the individuals, but for just the team as a whole to get back out there and uh, and have some success like you guys did uh, on on Sunday or on Saturday? Well, it was it was great. We brought uh, fourteen guys, and all fourteen guys placed uh, in the top six. So that was very, uh, very, very important to us um, that they that they had a quick turnaround and they 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 have a short memory of that Iowa meet and uh, very happy. We made some minor adjustments uh, that that hurt us at Iowa. The guys looked like they they uh, they they took to them and uh, they got better. So they got better from the Iowa meet, which is uh, very very encouraging. Uh, visiting with Wisconsin head coach uh, Chris Bono on our weekly visit, and you know the other big story this weekend, coach, to start a high school wrestling. Uh, in Wisconsin, and obviously you were down in Illinois coaching, um, but I know you guys are very active. I, I know we're, we're partnering with you on a big, you know, youth tournament uh, coming up, and obviously the home dual meet portion of it. Um, how, how how excited uh, is the buzz? A lot of these guys on the roster are Wisconsin guys. Probably still have you know family or friends or brothers that wrestled, you know, to get the high school season fired up here this weekend. Yeah, it's great, man. We um, you know, we work with a lot of these kids in the summer and the spring and all that good stuff, and with our camps and. So it's it's great to go out there and see them compete now and see them see them get better and you know it's great when you see these kids win state championships because uh, you know how how much work they've put into it 
but it's also great that we, um, you know, there's, there's some national tournaments going on this weekend in high school, and we're off this week, so we're going to hit the road um, and get recruiting at the, high, at the high school stuff here in, uh, in the state as well as getting on the road uh, around the country. Hey, Coach, when you're out recruiting, what is it that you're most looking for in a kid? Well, you want it, you, I'll tell you what. You want, what we look at is we look at how do they warm up, how do they compete, what do they do afterward, um, all the intangibles. You know, are they going to sit with mommy in the stands right away after a match? You know, when they lose, how, would they throw a temper tantrum? How are they cooling down? Um, how do they compete when they're on the mat? You know, what kind, of, what kind of sportsmanship they have? We look at all those things. You know, you just don't want, you don't want to bring a, uh, you know, a bad egg into your program. Um, so we, we, we really observe them, you know, not so much on the mat, but what they're doing in between matches, you know, and, and, and all that good stuff. See, that's why, Coach, I love you and, like, Reader and McDonough because you guys are grinders. And another guy I'm really good friends with, Mark Strobel, the associate uh, head hockey coach, says literally the exact same thing. And, like, they get an off week and you'd be like, man, I got a week off. I get to decompress, maybe hang out with their family, maybe get caught up on some paperwork. He's like, dude, I'm going to watch some game in Buffalo on Friday. Then I'm flying up to Ontario on Saturday. Like, he almost, like, works harder on the off week than on the game week. Sounds like it's the same thing for well, you, you guys. Do. You do, you know, even, you know, we have to give our guys one day off a week here. When we give those guys a day off, we're on the road, um, you know, going to look at high school kids or talking to coaches or doing something, going to clubs, you know. I mean, if we, if we can't be on the mat with them, we got to be out trying to get the program better. There's no doubt about it. If you're, uh, you know, Bobby Bowden, I got to, as a young coach, I remember Bobby Bowden saying, you know, the day recruiting is like breathing. The day you stop is the day you die. And that's, and that holds so true. Uh, you, you mentioned a week off, Coach. You know, what, what's the message, you know, as you get, you know, kind of the end, you know, in football and basketball, we think at the end of the season is like non-conference. It's, it's kind of the same thing, right, with you guys. You know, you've had the, obviously the big duel with Iowa, but, you know, you get through, you know, a non-conference duel next week and then obviously the Midlands and then, you know, calendar goes first of the year. You're, you're all Big Ten all the time. You know, what, what's the message here as you get through these final couple weeks of the non-conference portion of the season? Well, I'll tell you, right now the message is we're going to train hard. We've got a week and a half before we have Kent State coming in. You know, our first home dual meet, we're going to be trying to get a ton of fans in there. We've been on the road, and we've wrestled in crowded gyms and Carver-Hawkeye Arena and, you know, big tournaments, and uh, we're, sick, we're sick of other people's fans. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're ready to get a takedown and have people cheer for yeah. us. You know, uh, so, so we're excited about getting, you know, hopefully we can get a great turnout that Thursday night um in, in in the field house but the the, the message is we got to train we've only got 10 days to get ready uh and then these guys get to go home for six days and um you know to celebrate christmas and be with their families and decompress a little bit so we've got to have a great training phase here before kent state give them a little time off and then when we get back man we're, we're two months away from the from the national tournament so um you know they've got to realize time is time is ticking Man, you're firing me up, Coach. And for those who don't realize, I mean, obviously you're in year two. The 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 success in year one, and not just the success you guys had on the map, but building up, you know, the fan base and how the crowds were in the season ticket sales. And I know it's been good for you guys again this year. Just talk a little bit about what the atmosphere was like for you year one at at the Fieldhouse and what you're expecting this year. Because yeah, you got your first home mate next week. But you know, as we've talked about, boy, you get into January. In February, you you guys got the you know the the the, the blue bloods of college wrestling coming into uh, the fieldhouse this year. Yeah, we want to we want to we want to um we want to we want to wrestling big right now. Um and and you know you're looking at Rutgers who drew 5,500 the other night. Iowa had 8,000 against us. Arizona State drew 9,000. We want to do that in our fieldhouse. Um, people are excited about the re- uh, about wrestling in the state of Wisconsin, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure that that place is uh you know a great family type. Uh, crazy circus-like atmosphere. We, we want it to be a, a zoo in there. We're doing some special things with promotions 
Uh, we're having a sock toss that Thursday night. Anybody, we need people to bring unwrapped, uh, or I'm sorry, wrapped socks that we can throw. They're going to throw them out on the mat that we're going to give to some needy people around town uh, that need some socks. You know, and we just want to make it. We want to make it fun. We might want to make it crazy. We've got a very exciting team. Um, the team that likes to go out and try to pin people, and uh, we're going to try to make that place crazy, and hopefully people will turn out and watch us. Well, I'll tell you this, Coach. I love it. And, you know, Evo and I, like, we were out Hell in yeah. Stoughton Saturday for the, the pregame show for the football. We had, like, 9,000 people in that bar. So you get our following. You mix it with your great following. I, I think it's going to be like, you know, forget Carver Hawkeye. It's, we're we're going to call it, uh, you know, Bono Miller Evo, you know, arena. <laughs> the by this season's done. We're ready. We're ready to take it over, man. I'm ready to get some people in there. Our guys have been on the road, you know, since November 1. And um, and this was part of it. We wanted to build up the excitement, let people uh, read about us and, you know, see us on, on, on Flow Wrestling or whatever on the Internet. Now they get a chance to see us up close and personal with a, you know, a, a top five team. And we're, 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 the guys are so excited to be home and get ready to, uh, you know, put on a show for the crowd. Hey, I can't wait. Uh, good luck recruiting this week. Uh, and we'll, I look forward next week to uh, previewing Kent State. Home opener, baby. Sounds good. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, buddy. You, buddy. Take care. There he is, Badger head coach uh, Chris Bono. So, Nelson, I mean, you're going to have to wait for all the P-tests to come in on those Russian wrestlers because it was like the Winter Olympics, the ones that didn't fail. They got to, It was like a blank was a flag. Blank. Was it a blank? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just a white flag. square. So... Who knows how many of those dudes are really doping, but, you know, I'm trying to get you back into Tokyo. I mean, I got Becker following me on Twitter now, so, you know, maybe we'll get that Becker-Nelson match round two between now and Tokyo. Say that again? Another. Say that again? I don't know if the Dunkirk Possum Club has another <laughs> fight left in it. <laughs> I miss the Dunkirk Possums. There is no debate that the Bucks are being successful. Man, are they good. 14-game uh, winning streak. Uh, they are now 20-3, and three, one game behind the Lakers for the best overall record in the NBA. Uh, five games now better than the Celtics and Heat for the most wins in the East. They go for 15 in a row at home tonight against the Magic, who are 11-11. and 11. Uh, Bucks a 12-point favorite. So obviously, you know, the Bucks should win this game. Yes, they should. I guess here's my question to both of you. And look, they're they're not going to go. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, and I don't want to be accused as a uh, you know buck hater, but they're they're not going to go 79 and three. No, they're not. They're going to lose games. <laughs> so sweet, just but... prepare yourself, Bucks fans. This eventually. I just don't see it happening tonight, though. I, and that's what I'm saying. Okay, like, so you look at the Bucks record or the Bucks win streak, and we all said it was going to be put to the test. What was that? Saturday or Friday? Friday night. Friday night against the Clippers. It was Kawhi Leonard, and we all saw it happen with the Toronto Raptors uh, and the Bucks when Kawhi and company versus Giannis. And then what the what Kawhi do? He went to the Clippers. They got Paul George as well. So you got Paul George. You got Kawhi Leonard. You got the Bucks riding this win streak. The Bucks were almost up by forty points on the L.A. Clippers before winning what by twenty? I think it was twenty nine or whatever it was. I'll have to go check. The Bucks. We thought that the Clippers would be their biggest test, right, Joe? Absolutely. At one point in the third, they were up by 40 points yeah. on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the L.A. Clippers. They throttled the L.A. Clippers. And the Clippers, you look at the West, the West is stacked. The Clippers are one they're of the— They're still a great—I mean, they're one of the predominant teams the second in the West. Best, only the Lakers have a better record right now the than the Bucks Clippers in the throttled West. throttled them. It was a statement win. Yeah. It was insane. So the Bucks right now, I'm looking at power rankings on CBS Sports— 
the Bucks. I've never I've never seen this in my life besides maybe a couple times last year. The Bucks are number one in the power rankings ahead of LeBron James, wow. Anthony Davis, and the LA Lakers. Oh, good, good for that. Um, yeah, Lakers. By the way, win again yesterday. They've won four or fourteen of fifteen. So. I mean, it is trending right now as we are, by the way, 25% in. You know, they play 82 games. Uh, the Bucks have got 23. So, you know, you're, you're now between the the quarter and half uh, pole of this NBA season. And, you know, things change. You know, injuries happen. Runs happen. And, and maybe we'll feel differently in February. But I, I, I can't see it other than L.A. And I'm talking about the Lakers, L.A. And the Bucks, you know, being the two best teams. Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, Toronto are the next four best teams in the East. And they're good teams. But I just, I mean, again, to to put this out there, Evo, somebody's going to have to beat this team four times. Yep. In in, in seven games to win an NBA title or to eliminate this Bucs team in the playoffs. I just... But can they keep it up? Yeah. But not only not keep up the wins, just... Could you see a, Could you see Boston or Miami or the 76ers beating this team no. four times in seven games? No. That's what someone's going to have to do for Milwaukee the, to not be in the NBA Finals. I mean, you know, some of these teams that are below the Bucks in the East, they have they have good duos or good you know trios, yada yada yada. The Bucks are the deepest team in the league when it comes to bench play. The bench mob is unbelievable. The Bucks are solid all around. The only thing I think maybe they could work on a little more is a shooter, but that's what you got with Kyle Korver. Giannis Antetokounmpo is now killing it from three point range. And this is the stat that I love. This is so rare in the NBA that you get a team that does this. The Bucks are top two in both offensive and defensive efficiency. That simply doesn't happen in the NBA. Well, and for the second year in a row, and I'm glad you brought that up because last year everyone's like, oh, it's a fluke or the East is terrible. When you do it twice, what's that called? It's called a trend. Mm-hmm. It's called a pattern. So you can't say last year, oh, the East was terrible or the Bucks snuck up on people, which to some level both of those are true. But when you come back and you're better the second time around. See, I don't think anybody thought the Bucs were going to be a better. I still think a lot of people thought they're going to be right there. And the East definitely got worse because Kawhi left. And it's a year away from really you're getting the full, you know, Brooklyn net thing with, with KD and, and Kyrie. And that the East is going to be down. But there's no way the Bucs will be as good as they were last year. They're better. They're better. So they're, they're better. They're better than last year. And everybody last year was like, this is impossible. Look what the Bucs are doing. This They'll never do it again. This is impossible. They're better, they're better this year. Check this out. I just found this stat. It's incredible. The Bucks' scoring margin is plus 13.6. That's ahead of pace for the best such margin in NBA history. The top scoring margin was set in 1971-72 by the L- by the Lakers at 12.3. The Bucks scoring margin is 13.6. They're crushing it. The Bucks are phenomenal. They're better than last year. A lot of people were concerned about losing Malcolm Brogdon. I think, you know, Eric Eric Bledsoe stepped in nice for that. Let's hope playoff Eric Bledsoe doesn't show up where, <laughs> you know, but go back to the playoffs last year. Everyone on the Bucks went quiet in that series against the Raptors, and they still took them, what, to seven. And if that if that ball would have just rolled the right way against yeah. the Raptors in game... They go up 3 was nothing, it game four, it's over. Game three? Yeah, game, game three. three. They lost in double overtime on a putback, which puts you up three. Again, look, the Raptors did win four in a row to win that series. Kawhi Leonard played out of his mind. But to your point, I just... I cannot see a team, especially in the East, maybe because I haven't watched enough of the Lakers, and the Bucks, by the way, play the Lakers next week. How huge a game is that? Maybe it would be the Lakers. I just, 
How do you see a team right. <laughs> beating the Bucks four times in a row? Let me read you this here. Uh, 1971-72 Lakers. That was the team that holds the scoring margin record at, uh, what did I say, 12.3, whatever it was. Here's who was on that roster in 71-72. Elgin Baylor. He's pretty good. Wilt Chamberlain. <laughs> Pat Riley. Jerry West. <laughs> The Bucks are blowing their the scoring margin right. out of the water. It's twelve point so three. The Bucks are thirteen point six right now. Five Hall of Famers, including one or two of the maybe the five best to ever play. I'm gonna go ahead and say Giannis is gonna be in the Hall of Fame someday. And I love me some Splash Mountain, but my man Brooke Lopez ain't going to the Hall of Fame. No. And I like Chris Middleton. He's a nice shooter and ain't going to the Hall of Fame. Like the, the Bucks are literally the greatest <laughs> team in the history of the NBA through twenty three games. It's the they're the they're a quintessential team. That's, and that's rare in the NBA. Well, and with team. one, I mean, they have a superstar. Well, everyone that's won an MVP right. has gone to be a Hall of Famer. So Giannis and Nakumbo is going to yes, be a Hall of Famer. I believe Giannis will be. A Hall uh, of took Michael Jordan seven years to win his NBA championship. Giannis and Nakumbo is now in his seventh year. There's a lot of there's a lot of symbolism happening. Well, here. and here's the other thing: you want to weigh in six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Giannis is great. We know that, but they don't have you know, uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant are great. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are great. Uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are great. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are great. Giannis Adenakumbo is great and what? Like, every other of these teams that are near the top are, they have great players tandem. Mm -hmm. The Bucs have a all-timer in Giannis and 11 pretty good pros, which make that much. I mean, if this was the Lakers, nobody's surprised. Exactly. Because it's LeBron and it's Anthony Davis. It's Giannis and what? Chris Middleton? Eric Bledsoe? Brooke Lopez, I mean, you got to be kidding me that they're competing like with historically great teams where Giannis or LeBron had to go out and get, you know, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade. And all these teams had to come together. They had to all make super teams. The The Celtics had to get Ray Allen and Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett to all buy in to say, we're all three A-listers. We're going to play together so we can win. No. Giannis is just like, I don't need any of that. You can all you can all go to L.A., Paul George and Kawhi and LeBron and Anthony Davis. You guys all go for the battle of L.A. I'm Giannis. I'm the Greek freak. I'll do my own thing here in Milwaukee. I'll still beat all your asses, and you know which makes it even more impressive. And what's even more impressive about Giannis is, we haven't even seen him at his best. Giannis, 20, 25. Giannis is getting better each season. Just, just, I just, I can't He's put insane. it into words of how good Giannis and Nakumbo is. And I go back to when they drafted him, and everyone's like, "Who in the hell is that, Giannis Adadabagabumbo? What? How do you say that? We had to spell it phonetically on the board here." You're not wrong. You're not wrong. It's one of the all-time greatest sports stories. I think underrated, uh, Giannis to the Bucks. <laughs> They didn't win last night, Zach, or or did they win last night or on Saturday night? Talking, of course, about uh, Wisconsin because they lost the game. Yes, we know that. But by losing and I guess losing competitive enough to get into the Rose Bowl, and I would argue even if they had won that game, they got exactly where they were going to get, the Rose Bowl. So can we really even be mad at all at what happened Saturday night because didn't they get what they were going to get at the end anyway? No, I think you can be mad about what happened Saturday night. But, yeah, they ended up going where they were going to go no matter what happened. Uh, you know, if they had won on Saturday night, they'd be in the same exact spot. But, yeah, you want a Big Ten title. It's, it hasn't happened since 2012. But, no, getting to the Rose Bowl is significant. That's where every Big Ten team, at least, you know, before the playoff era, that's where they everybody wanted to go, and Wisconsin's going. And uh, it's the best bowl game that's not a college football playoff bowl game, at least in my opinion. And that site, that place, the history behind it, it's awesome.
Zach, I have to ask you, man, what happened with the Wisconsin that was taking it to Ohio State in the first half to the Wisconsin that got it taken to from Ohio State in the second half? Well, quite honestly, I thought, you know, outside of a possession or two, the Ohio State offense moved the ball pretty much at will up and down the field, even before Chris Orr got hurt. And they were moving the ball. They just couldn't finish on the one drive, on the first drive, and they, they, they fumble on another one. Um, you know, and then they pretty much just had their way with them, in, you know, late in the second quarter and early in much of the third quarter. So offensively, I thought it was always going to be a struggle to, to move the ball against Ohio State, but they kind of changed it up and, um, there was just a few things here and there, like passes, uh, Jonathan Taylor slips or Quintez Sivas drops a pass, or, you know, it was just one or two things here and there that they just couldn't stay on the field for, uh, stretches. And it put the defense in a huge bind. And just like they did in the first game, they got worn down. Uh, the defense did. So I don't know. I, Ohio State to me is still the best team in the country, even if they're not the number one seed. And, um, it'll be, I, I see that they're underdogs to Clemson. Which they is, are, which is a bit surprising, but, um, I think it's going to be them and LSU, and it should be should make for an awesome national championship game. I'm, look, this the first half was as good as Wisconsin had played for you know pretty much you know against good competition all year, and they just didn't uh, they just couldn't maintain it. I mean that's the best team in the country, and there's a huge talent gap. And Wisconsin came with a great game plan, and just it just couldn't last. Uh, visiting with our sports director Zach Halperin. So I maintain Zach. Uh, once it was twenty-one-seven at the half, regardless of what happened in the second half, the Rose Bowl's mind was made up because I think the committee and I think the Rose Bowl they wanted it to be Wisconsin because you don't want to penalize you know the, the team playing an extra game versus a team sitting home, i.e. Penn State. Do you think once they had seen, hey, Wisconsin's up, even if they blow this lead, they're not going to get blown out? That the mind was kind of made up that uh, Wisconsin was in probably by about halftime of Saturday night. Yeah, I think Dan Mullins, the the uh, executive director, or not the executive director, but the the guy who speaks to the media uh, on the playoff committee, talked about that yesterday and said, you know, the way that they played in the first half certainly opened their eyes, but it was also the fact that they had you know three top twenty five wins, and there were three top twenty five wins against teams that um, uh, only two of which Ohio, Penn State beat. I mean, you look at the common opponents between the three between Wisconsin and Penn State and Iowa, Michigan, and, and Minnesota. You know, those obviously the big ones and. Wisconsin went three and zero against them, and Penn State went two and one. And they shouldn't be punished for having for having beaten Minnesota and going to the Big Ten title game and playing the number one team in the country. You shouldn't be punished for that. And I think the committee, you know, made sense of that. It's, it's happened before, though, where uh, a team that won its division didn't end up winning, uh, or it didn't end up going to the uh, uh, Rose Bowl. Colorado, I think, in 2016 was that way. But Penn State or uh, USC had beaten Colorado during the season. Penn State and Wisconsin didn't play, so there was no game to show which team was better. So you had to go by comparative records, and Wisconsin's was better. I don't, and I, I know Penn State fans are up in arms about it, but who gives a crap? So Zach, how does um, Wisconsin now match up against Oregon? Is it going to be like uh, 2000? What was that? 11? 12? When, will, 12 yeah. when Russell Wilson was there, is going to be a barn burner? I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be a 45-38 game. Uh, Oregon's the top. Scoring defense-wise, they're uh, ninth in the country. They're uh, one spot ahead of Wisconsin. They are really good. Uh, they're they're good against the run. They've given up some yards in the pass. Uh, offensively, they have obviously Justin Herbert, who's one of the top quarterbacks in the country and expected to be a first-round pick in uh, in April. Um, but they they haven't. They're they're a good scoring offense, and they're like 15th in the country. But they're not the same offense they were when Wisconsin played them last in in uh, 2012. That that was. Uh, that was an offense that could score at any point. I don't think Oregon's that group. They have a lot of talent, though. They have a lot of explosive plays, but 
I think this has a chance to be a little more defensive. And I think I saw the over-under was like, what, like 47 or 48? So uh, they're not expecting that game either. Speaking of odds, uh, Zach Heilprin, Wisconsin actually talking about Ohio State being an The Badgers opening up as a field goal favorite. Uh, I, I mean, I understand it, but it's still a bit surprised. You know, the probably the more the national perception, Oregon, great quarterback, high-flying offense, Wisconsin kind of plotting. Obviously, Vegas not, you know, swayed by that. Are you surprised the Badgers are actually a slight favorite in this game? Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, Oregon – they only lost two games all year. One was to Auburn in the season opener, and then they they got upset on the road at Arizona State. So they didn't. It's not like they uh, um, had a bunch of bad losses or any, anywhere. So maybe a, a little bit surprising, but or I shouldn't say uh, any blowout losses. But uh, I guess it's a, it's a little bit surprising. But again, Wisconsin, the way that, if Wisconsin comes out and plays with the same I guess aggressiveness and uh, play call style that they did on Saturday night, and really even you know go back to the Minnesota game, those two games, I thought offensively in terms of play calling was was up there. I know people would have liked to see Quintez Sivas get the ball, forced his way a little bit more in the third quarter uh, on Saturday night, but I thought for the most part um, it was a pretty well-called game, and they just they just couldn't finish it. But if they come out playing like that, I, I they should be favored, and um, they should win that game. Zach, i got to ask you, man, a couple listeners brought it up, and it's something we we brushed on, and I want to get your take on it because you were there. The end of the game when Jack Cohn tries to run it in and he gets absolutely obliterated, What is that a penalty? Like, what was that? Do you think he had the, do you think he had the over on that one? Did I, he get I think he game? did. I think it's that part of Action Zone University. <laughs> <laughs> did they say anything about the hit after the game? Uh, there was nothing said about it. I, a lot of us were down in the field, and so we couldn't really tell how bad it was. And so I don't—I never saw a replay um, before, uh, really, until after the game, or you know, after the whole thing had played out. I didn't see exactly what was going on on Twitter, but he was there after the game. He talked after the game, and he, he was in—he's never a big like vocal guy, like in the post-game uh, media session. So he wasn't like. It, you couldn't really tell there was much of a difference with him. Yeah. So he—he he was there. So I don't think it was a big deal there. But I wonder if. Wisconsin, uh, you know, maybe did say something about it. Now, I saw, I know uh, on Twitter someone asked about it, Mike Pereira, the the, the official who uh, oversees some of that stuff, at least on Fox, uh, said that they probably did look at it. And because Jack was not a defenseless, he was a runner, he was not a defenseless player, that that would not necessarily um, fall under that uh, targeting rule. Gotcha. Uh, Busy with our sports director, Zach Halpern. Uh, Nelson, operating at a high level, uh, Zach, set up this great uh, pregame show for us at Tailgaters and came up with a, a great uh, Twitter poll. I want to ask you this question. And uh, tell Mike Heller's show to come up with their yeah, own uh, so show good. prep. Stealing our stuff. But, that, you know, imitation's the best form of flattery. I, I've learned that with the other pretenders in this city for Who's years. That? Uh, some some guy who works for some terrible station that's on after us, like five people listen to. Um, anyway... Heard. Yeah, the question is, which 10-3 and three team is more impressive, Wisconsin or Green Bay? Zach Heilprin would vote what? I did vote. I went Wisconsin. Uh, I know that, I mean, Green Bay, especially this week, just it hasn't been very, it hasn't been very pretty. But they, really, I mean, it's impossible to think about or impossible to forget about some of the wins they had earlier in the year and all the wins they have against teams that were at least above 500 at the time that they played them. But I just, I think Wisconsin for me was unexpected the way that they, uh, the way that they played pretty much the entire year. I kind of had them as a, as an eight and four team, maybe even a you know seven and five, just because I thought the schedule was a little bit difficult to be at ten and three to be the Big Ten West champ and to put the game that they did against Ohio State at least the first half together. Uh, I I voted them as the more impressive ten and three so far. 
And then the follow up to that follow up, Zach. That, go it, ahead. Oh, oh. It may just be some, it may just be some recency bias. I'll be honest. Well, <laughs> and then yeah, I, I'm with you. And then when you look at this, you know, we were asking, you know, is this as far as they can take it with the Rose Bowl? And I look at how this season played out, and, and certainly the Illinois game. Yes, they're better than we give them credit for, but you still shouldn't have lost that game. But your other two losses, losing to Ohio State twice. I mean, do you ever see a scenario? And I know we were there a couple of years ago, and I know Michigan State played Iowa one year, and the winner of that game did get in. But, you know, is the college football playoff really a reality for Wisconsin in a world that Ohio State lives in, or should we just be happy? Because there are some people that are going to say Rose Bowl fatigue, and I'm like, should we just be happy that this is, you know, it's like the Jack Nicholson movie. This is good as it gets for Badger football? It's been seven years since the bed of the Rose Bowl, so I don't. maybe there's a little bit of Rose Bowl fatigue. I think there's. I think the college football playoff has certainly taken a little bit of luster off the, off the Rose Bowl. There's no doubt about that. Uh, people think it's college football playoff for bust, but... Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin was 43 yards away from it in 2017 uh, without the loss to Illinois this year. I mean, it, I think that Illinois loss would have been so, so bad if they had, if Wisconsin had found a way to win on Saturday night because then that probably keeps you out of the playoff, though I think there was some talk about them getting in. I, I guess I'd be surprised if that would have been the case. But um, they, they are, you're going to have to beat Ohio State. I mean, that's just the fact that that's – what has to happen? They haven't done it since 2010. The only way that they're going to get to the college football playoff is having to go through uh, Ohio State. I mean, the one year it was Penn State, right? If Penn State pulls an upset and it's Penn State in the title game instead of Ohio State, but almost almost surely you're going to have to beat Ohio State at some point, whether in the regular season or in the in the Big Ten championship game, if you want to get to the college football playoff. And, um, you know, one game, anything could happen. And Wisconsin showed in the first half that it's not that crazy to think that they can stick with Ohio State uh, and pull an upset one night, but it, that's what it's going to take for them to get to that Final Four. Now, if there's a if it's a, if it's eight, which I think would be better, then I think the chances of it happening are a lot more likely. But um, you have to beat Ohio State. As simple as it is. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the, the follow up to that is you know you look. I think it has to be Zach where a schedule like you know two years ago or possibly even next year, right, where you avoid. Ohio State in the regular season because it's you know if you lose to them once you're done and then if you beat them once you're really going to beat them twice where you know obviously there's some tough games next year but it's not like murderers row and you get a lot of you know winnable games at home whereas maybe you get to Indianapolis next year at 11 and 1 or 12 and 0 and there's Ohio State and to your point you you, you get them in a one game setting I think that's the recipe you know a schedule like next year where you avoid them in the regular season where this you know it could work out yeah no, 2017 is a perfect example of what I guess you're looking for. You win that game and you're in. It's winning, you're in, and they they just couldn't get it done. Hey Zach, speaking of the Rose Bowl, how many Badger fans do you think make the trek out there? It's like a pilgrimage for everyone. I know you're looking at flights and prices and whatnot. Does that scare anyone off? It's expensive. An expensive place to go, um, and the and the bowl itself is the bowl itself is like I, I any Badger fan I would. There's not a better bowl game. Uh, bowl experience in the Rose Bowl. I've been twice. Haven't covered it, but having been twice, it's it's the best experience and it's the best game and it's the best setting in college football. And if you can go, you should go. Uh, it is expensive, but there's there's nothing better than that. Those are those are life. At least for me, it was a it's a lifelong memory. I'll never forget the '94 game. That's something that's going to stick with me. It's still my favorite game I've ever been at. And um, you know, the 2010-11 game was not great <laughs> against TCU, but it was still a fun experience to go to and. I, you know, I don't know how many fans will go. Uh, I guess it'll depend what what they think. But I, you know, I could see thirty thousand going. You know, something like that. 
which isn't a huge, huge number. It's not the 75,000 that went in 1994, but it's it's still a pretty respectable number. Well, I will say this, Zach. Uh, you know, my mom, uh, who was selling Rose Bowl packages yesterday, shout out Middleton Travel, was the phones were ringing up until like 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. So, uh, it'll, yeah, it's a great question. I wonder how many people show up. But, you know, you, like you said it, I'm like, for those who say Rose Bowl fatigue been there, done that, I'm like, well, it's been seven years. It's not like, you know, yeah. this, it's, this isn't the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl. I get that. I mean, this is A, the Rose Bowl. And B, it's been seven years. I, I don't think there should be any fatigue at all. I think this is an absolute success for Wisconsin, and I, I couldn't be yeah. more fired up for it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, going three straight, I can see the fatigue and not wanting to go to twenty thirteen, watch that eight and five or the eight, and, I guess eight and four team, or no, it was eight and five. Yeah, eight and five team. You know, after winning the Big Ten championship game, I can see the the fatigue there. But it's been seven years, and this last time you're going to see Jonathan Taylor, last time you're going to get likely to see Quintez Cephas. I mean, this is an opportunity that, uh, it, you know, you don't really get too many times. And so you just never know when it's going to be the last time you get it. I mean, I'm sure people in, 19, obviously, this is a little ridiculous, but 1962-63, you expect you've been there three times in the last 10 years, and then you don't go for uh, 29. So this is, uh, or 31, whatever it is, uh, this is potentially in a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I guess. Hey, hey does, Wisconsin, uh, does Wisconsin beat Rutgers and UW-Milwaukee before they go to that big game in Tennessee in, in two weeks? No road game seems like a uh, like one of the that you can just guarantee is you're going to win at this point, right? I mean, they've just been horrid away from Oof. from the Kohl Center, but yeah, I do think they find a way to beat uh, Rutgers, and then guess who's back for guess who's back for UW Milwaukee? Do tell Mike Potter. Mike oh, Potter, that's Potter right. December twenty first. Good yeah, job. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike Potter returns. You get one game to get him kind of ready to go, and then uh, yeah, go Tennessee. Time. Well, uh, thank you, buddy. Thanks, uh, I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, if you need any help uh, booking flights, you just call me up. I, I got an in. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> thank you, pal. You, there he is, our sports director, uh, Zach Halpern. A change in the Twitter poll. Uh, Joe Nebo wonderings, which 10-3 team has been more impressive this year? Of course, both Wisconsin, who is now done with its games until the Rose Bowl. The Packers still have three more regular season games and hopefully at least a couple of playoff games before a Super Bowl, uh, sitting at 10-3. and three. So right now, both at 10-3, and three, which is more impressive. Uh, now 297 votes in. The Badgers oh. have overtaken. It was the Packers early on. Uh, a big shift, and now 54% of you saying the Badgers' 10-3 and three season has been more impressive than the Packers' 10-3 and three season. Yeah, J.D. and MSN tweeted in, Packers lost to the Eagles, Chargers, and got pummeled by the 49ers. Yeah, the Badgers lost to Illinois, but they beat a high-ranked Michigan and Minnesota. Plus, the Badgers were picked to finish fourth in the Big Ten West. Yeah. I, it's The quality of wins is better for the Badgers. I don't think that's de- debatable. The question is, which is debatable, is which team had higher or maybe which team had lower expectations. I still think Wisconsin had higher expectations than the Packers. I, I get the third, fourth in the Big Ten West, but I at least around here, and I think even now, I, there, a lot of people didn't buy the Nebraska hype, right? I, I think most no. people, no, I didn't think Wisconsin was good enough to be overwhelmingly confident for them to win the Big Ten West, but I think most of us, if I go back and found a show tape from late August, early September, I think most of us agreed, even back then, it was going to come down to Wisconsin and Iowa. For the Big Ten West. Now, Minnesota surprised a lot of people that it ended up being Wisconsin, Minnesota. But obviously, had the Badgers lost that Iowa game, 
it would have been over. So I get what JD's saying, and he's absolutely right. I just, I never bought the Nebraska hype, and I always thought Northwestern was a one-hit wonder last year. And I, Minnesota, I will admit, I didn't see coming. I thought it'd be Iowa and or Wisconsin. So I would have probably had them either first or second in the Big Ten West to start the season. I would have clearly had the Bears ahead of the Packers, and I think I would have flipped a coin Vikings or Packers. I think they were the second, maybe even the third best team in their division to start the season, where I think Wisconsin was still the best team in the Big Ten West. So not that that's the end all, but as far as preseason hype, more of us were picking Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West than we're picking the Packers to win the NFC North. Because I thought last year was just an outlier for the Wisconsin Badgers. It was like, it was an unlucky year. A lot of things went wrong. Alex Hornibrook had wandering eyes. Like a lot of things. (laughs) He lost the locker room. Poor old Hornibrook. You know, other players' girlfriends, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) I think Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry. Yeah, allegedly. I think it was just an outlier. And then, you know, the the Packers, I think if you were to do a a, a different poll of who was the luckier team this year. Oh, there's no doubt it's the Packers. It's the Packers. No doubt. Nelly just hit me with these stats here. This is insane. This is wild to me. Because if you were to do luck, Packers would be almost one in the landslide. Points per game. 2018, the Packers 23.5. This year, 23.8. Yards per play. Last year, 5.8 to this year's 5.5. Scoring percentage. This or last year, 38.8. This year, 38.1. Yards per attempt, 7.2 last year, 7.4 this year. Yards per carry, 5 yards last year, 4.3 yards this year. Third down conversions, 36.8% last year, 357 last year. I have two more almost done. And yards a drive, 33.2 last year, 31.8 this year. And turnover percentage, 6.7 last year to 5.8 this year. The numbers are almost identical from Mike McCarthy's led team last year to Matt LaFleur's led team this year. It's insane. But what have the Packers had this year that they didn't have last year? No injuries and luck. Yep. And you could say an easier schedule. You can say definitely injuries. Now, is that all luck? I mean, like, I'm I, I'm not. Uh, well, if, ins- it, let me ask you, if, if Aaron Rodgers week one this year were to mess his knee up against the Chicago Bears like he did week one last year, yeah. What are we talking about this season? Probably think, the same kind of thing we were talking same, about last year. I think the same thing. Yeah. I, look, I, I'll, I'll always be on record. I, I don't know. Besides, I mean, I'm trying to fire McCarthy. Right. I don't think they should have ever fired him during the season. I think losing that Cardinal game, uh, it was a knee-jerk reaction by the Packers. I wouldn't have still fired him. Um, I mean, what's the di- what's the difference between the numbers are the same? They're essentially the same. There's only two categories that they're slightly better this year than they were last year. Well, right, time. but that's the 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 eye test difference there. I mean, there's the stats, and then there, does this feel whether it's because— This offense has been bad for the Packers yeah, most of the season. The offense has been—look at yesterday. If Aaron Jones wasn't around, what did the Packers do? How What did Rodgers throw for? 140-something? I have to go look. I can't remember. See, these are these are starting to become worrisome when it is an Aaron Rodgers, who you expect to be a top five quarterback in the NFL, probably even top three at this point. He's just he's fading. I don't know if I want to say if he's, yeah, is but, he fading, kind of like Tom Brady. Yeah, but here's the other thing. He, I, I mean, like Rodgers, one ninety five and a touchdown, eighteen to twenty. Okay, I think Rodgers has been average, but here's the thing. I, I think you guys are underselling just the averageness of the league. I mean, his numbers aren't great. But he's 11th in passing yards and 11th in touchdowns. And he's, his 11th in touchdowns are only five behind the league. And his passing yards, he's only 600 behind Dak Prescott, who, I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of yards, but 
is Dak Prescott well, a great quarterback? Like I, like I don't think the league – look at the top. Russell Wilson only has 100 more passing yards than Aaron Rodgers. And he's got two more touchdowns. Yet he's going to win the MVP. Like, if you want to base it on stats, I hear what you guys are saying. His stats are average. So is everybody else's stats. Well, we're That's, looking at all the whole entire offense. I mean, well, it's, but it's all about Aaron Rod. It's all about it's what, all about Aaron Jones now. Well, I'm just saying, Rodgers has been average, but so is everybody else. There's half a dozen quarterbacks in the NFL where you go, if I have that guy on my team, I can win a Super Bowl. All the other ones that are those middle of the road, the Dax of the world. They need a good defense and team around them. You know, you have the the Breezes, the Bradys, the Rodgers, Roethlisberger, those guys. Those are the guys that you think you can win it. You have a shot every year because they're just that good. I don't know if he's there right now. He hasn't looked good this year. He he's flashes. looked good in like a four-game stretch. Rodgers has those flashes, though. You saw flashes of it for the first quarter yesterday, but then it kind of disappeared. Yeah, I just I think it's – I think it's. But then you go against a good team like the, the Niners – and Rodgers can't do anything. And then look at the Chargers. Maybe it was just California. He couldn't do anything with the Chargers either. Uh, the top-rated quarterback good team. in the NFL right now is Ryan Tannehill, who has just been filthy since he's been in the starter. Kirk Cousins is second. Matthew Stafford, who hasn't played in a month, is what you, third. What, what rating are you looking at? Uh, quarterback rating. Not QBR, passer rating. You get into the QBR mud. I think the passer rating is still the one. Rodgers is ninth. point I'm making is... Look, I don't think Ryan Tannehill or Kirk Cousins are the two best quarterbacks, but I don't know that Aaron Rodgers is the ninth best quarterback. I don't know if he's the fifth best quarterback. Again, it goes back to well, if you go QBR, Aaron Rodgers is sixteenth, Tannehill's thirteen. Yeah, and I don't like Cousins I, ten. That's Lamar the Jackson's ES, number one. Patrick that's Mahomes an ESPN made two. up stat. The quarterback rating's the one that's been around forever. Again, I I don't think it well, is the one you're reading. You wouldn't say that Tannehill and who is second? Kirk Cousins. Like, you wouldn't put those one and two. Would no. you put these guys one and two for QBR? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes? Uh, I mean, I would right probably now? put Russell Wilson Russell a bit of Mahomes. Uh, I don't know. If you look four. at Russell Wilson the last few games, he has kind of had some stinkers as well. I think what is a hard thing for some people to grasp is that Aaron Rodgers is not as good as Aaron Rodgers once was. I don't think there's any doubt of that. Some people won't admit it until it's too late. I think he's still one of the five. I still would gladly put him in the top five. I think... When you had eight straight years, and he was number one overwhelmingly for half of them. Um, I mean, dude is. But again, I I don't think Drew yeah, Brees and them. Tom this Brady and Peyton Manning were the they're the best. They all won Super Bowls. Yeah. So he doesn't need to be the best. He just needs to be pretty good. Yeah, I but still they think all he's had really good. good teams around him. Like they had Bill Belichick's, they had Sean Payton's, they had solid defenses. They also had receivers and star players. You can't even name the number two. His name's Alan Lazard. Ten and three. He Ten was and three. To make Nelly. The practice squad. Ten and three. Gavin, what's up? Welcome to the Joe and Ebo Show. Hey boys, how are we feeling this morning? It's good, Gav. How are you? Doing good, Ebo. Hey guys, I I agree on on the Rogers stuff first. I think at this point in his career, he's right around like that five quarterback in the NFL. But here's the thing: uh, what is he the best at in the NFL yet? It's not turning the ball over. True. So that's kind of the recipe right now. He's just not going to turn the ball over. Oh, well, he did against Washington, so I guess I shouldn't say it. But more often than not, I, I, he's probably still number one in the league or, or top three and not turning it over. Um, he's just not going to do that. And, and the Packers are going to try and win that turnover battle every week. And, and 90% of the time, a team wins that turnover battle, they, they win the game. Um, so, so that's what he's still a lead in, guys. But Look at that Patriots game yesterday, guys, with Brady. And I know Brady is, what, 42 years old? But but what happens with a quarterback when nobody can get open? 
and, and Brady doesn't have Gronk anymore, and the Antonio Brown thing didn't work. So he's got Edelman. Uh, James White is a fine catcher out of the backfield. But nobody gets open, guys. And, and Brady, like last year, everybody was talking about Rodgers with all the throwaways. I, I don't know if Brady's leading the league this year, but he's had a ton of them. Um, so he's not turning the ball over, but he just throws the ball away. So Rodgers is at that point, guys, where he doesn't have the legs he used to, and, and the weapons on the offense just aren't great. Um, no. So big picture-wise, guys, you were talking about the difference between last year and this year, and you're right. Uh, Rodgers is healthy. Obviously, that's huge. I, I'm guessing the biggest difference is the Smith brothers. So last year, if you go look at quarterback pressures compared to this year, I'm guessing that number is a huge – there's a huge discrepancy there. Um, so that that's the big difference, guys. Uh, Glad we got the win yesterday, but probably like everybody else, I don't feel great about it. And I think, guys, going forward, starting with this Bears game, I think their playoffs start now. I don't think this team is going on the road and winning the playoffs. They have to get that first round by. I think yeah. they have to have games at home. And, and I think every game going forward is a playoff game for the Packers. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. Have a good one, fellas. Thanks, yeah, thank you, Gavin. You, yeah, I mean, look, I think they're going to, I think, I mean, they're, they should beat the Bears. But Bears are hot, and they're technically not even eliminated from the division yet. So, absolutely, you got to treat it like a playoff game. If they lose on Sunday, uh, it, it, things change significantly. Now, if they win, they are massively in the driver's seat for everything, division, wild card, whatever. But if they lose, this gets game on with two weeks to play. Watch Rodgers carve up the Bears. So, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to do that on Sunday. I think Trubisky will give the ball to the Green Bay defense four times, and I think Rodgers will play well. I don't think he's going to have like 500 yards well, but they should win. But, yeah, Gavin, to his point, if they uh, if they lose on Sunday, that changes everything down the, uh, down the stretch. 